0: Sixteen says I just whipped your ass You can call this
1: Welcome to the Royal Rumble Podcast on this Thursday, February 16th, 2017, here on It'sYourRadio.com. I am your host, Brian Sinek. With me, as always, is the co host, Ryan Motorola. Ryan, how are you doing, buddy?
0: Hey, Brian, I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you?
1: Doing pretty good myself. Uh, we have a lot to get into for these next two hours here on It'sYourRadio.com. A lot has gone on. In the world of both professional wrestling and professional mixed martial arts, uh, we have a, we had a big weekend this past weekend. Of course, we had UFC 208 on Saturday, along with the Elimination Chamber pay per view on Sunday. So we're going to recap and react to both of those shows. Two big shows, crowning new champions on each show. Also, we got to recap both Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT as well. And we have some other MMA news to get into. Some news on Brock Lesnar and his uh, future with UFC. George St. Pierre trying to make a comeback in the UFC. And are we finally going to see Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather? That is in the talks right now. So, a lot to get into for these next two hours. Before we get into it, give you guys our social media accounts if you want to follow us. You can like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Royal Wrestling. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. And don't forget as well, follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. You can follow me personally at B underscore for Ryan. It's at Ryan underscore Moderano. And if you happen to miss us live right now, you guys can subscribe to our show on both Stitcher and iTunes. So be be sure guys to subscribe to that. We want to get the the uh, the button up. We want to get the subscribers up, so uh, let's get right into the news and going on in the wrestling world, and we'll start things off with the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Um, it was a solid pay-per-view, I thought. Uh, Nothing really bad about it. I mean, we'll, we'll get right into it with the with the big uh, thing that took place this past Sunday is that we have a new WWE champion, and that is Bray Wyatt. It was expected to happen. We've heard the rumors that this was going to happen, that he was going to walk at the champion. So did that hurt it a little bit of the moment of him winning the championship? I think it did a little bit, but still, the sight of seeing Bray Wyatt A, pin John Cena, and then AJ Styles – And B, to see him walk out the new WWE Champion was an amazing sight to see. I mean, look, ever since we started this show, you know, I I have been so hard on WWE for the way they've handled Bray Wyatt as a character, his booking. I mean, it, it was bad. You know, this guy is one of the most talented performers that this company has. Not only can this guy get it done both in the ring, but he's so gifted on the microphone where, you know, this guy looks like, talks like as a champion, as a top-notch guy. And we all thought when he broke in, started at this Bray Wyatt character, and he was feuding with the likes of John Cena and The Undertaker and Roman Reigns, we all thought that this was going to be the time we were going to see Bray Wyatt walk out the champion. But feud by feud, the guy couldn't win the big one. And I questioned if WWE ever saw Bray Wyatt as a top guy because he had so many feuds and he didn't win any single one of them. The only one I could think of that he won was Dean Ambrose. But then Dean Ambrose got a bigger push than Bray Wyatt. So I questioned if WWE was ever going to give this guy a push. And ever since the brand split, SmackDown, the writers, the booking team, Shane McMahon have done their part. To make Bray Wyatt what he should be, and that is a main event superstar. And to see this guy walk into the Elimination Chamber, and like I said before, he pinned John Cena clean, which doesn't happen a lot, and then he beat AJ Styles clean. To see him go over those two guys and walk out the new WWE Champion was an amazing sight to see. Like I said, it hurt a little bit because we all knew this was going to happen, but still, you got to be happy for Bray Wyatt. The guy deserves it. Four long years it took this guy to get where he is right now. Four long years as the Bray Wyatt character. Now, he's been wrestling for longer than that, but I'm talking about as the character Bray Wyatt. It was a long, long time coming, but if there's anybody on SmackDown that deserves to be champion, it is without a Bray Wyatt. So congratulations, Bray, new WWE champion, and I'm looking forward to seeing how your reign goes from now on as we move ahead to WrestleMania season.
0: Yeah, like you said, I mean, uh, you know, Maybe he was a little bit predictable uh, due to Randy Orton winning the Royal Rumble. I think a lot of people expected him to to walk out with this championship. I mean, he was the only guy that really made sense, if you think about it. If you really look at all these guys in this match, he was the only one that really made sense to walk out as champion here, given the scenario at hand. Uh, But like you said, Brian, I mean, it may have taken away a little bit of the moment, but ultimately, I mean, I think everybody was very, very happy to see Bray Wyatt holding up the WWE title. I mean, like you said, finally, I mean, four long years, this guy literally went through hell and back. I mean, like you said on the show numerous times before, we would trash, uh, you know, the creative direction that they kept putting Bray Wyatt in uh, when they basically just kept giving him loss after loss after loss in every single feud, every single big match pay-per-view that this guy was in. So the fact that they're actually giving him a big-time moment here, letting him carry the belt into the biggest show of the year, uh, it's pretty surreal. I mean, it really is. And, you know, again, I could have seen this win coming, but... At the same time, you know, it was kind of hard to see because of the way they'd been handling him. So uh, the fact that they actually went through with it, they gave him the belt, he actually won the big one. And like you said, pinning John Cena clean, which rarely ever happens. And then you see him pin AJ Styles clean. I think that was a very, very uh, big part, uh, you know, of this title win uh, that a lot of people should really take into consideration. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I thought the whole time match was great. I thought all six guys really uh, put on an entertaining match. Uh, you know, again... You know, it, the Elimination Chamber has always been a fun, uh, you know, match to watch over the years. And of course, then it went away, then it came back, then it went away again. And, you know, it was good to see it back. They had a new chamber, too, uh, kind of different style. There was padding outside of the uh, chamber instead of, you know, how it used to be. Uh, but again, you know, some people say that it could have taken some of the brutality away from it. But I say that, you know, going to the biggest show of the year, you have to make sure that you create a safe environment for these guys. I mean, with Seth Rollins getting hurt. A bunch of other guys getting hurt too you can't have everybody go down at this time of the year you know this is what everybody really goes all around the year for is to compete at wrestlemania so you got to make it as safe as possible for these guys so i didn't really mind that uh so like i said overall i thought the match was great the moment was great even after when randy orton kind of uh stared bray wyatt down a little bit that was great to give a little tease for the possible match at wrestlemania so Overall, I thought the whole entire thing was executed perfectly. And like you said, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how his reign goes over the next couple of months.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you want to see how he is as he's going to be the champion. Is there going to be pressure on this guy to carry the SmackDown brand? Because that's what he's being told to do right now, that he is the world champion. He's asked to be the top guy on SmackDown and he's never had this position before. He's never been a champion before. Of course, he was a tag team champion, but he had a tag team partner, you know, as a singles champion. Is there going to be a lot of pressure on Bray Wyatt? I think he can handle it. The guy is so talented. He's very creative on the microphone. He's very good in the ring. I think he can handle the load, but it should be interesting. Back to the match itself. I thought it was good. I mean, um, it it told a number of stories in the match, which I liked a lot. Um, It wasn't just all about Bray Wyatt winning. There was some other stuff that unfolded in the match. like For example... Baron Corbin versus Dean Ambrose, is it going to be a feud that's going to happen going into WrestleMania? If you guys watch the match of course, Corbin was eliminated by Dean Ambrose after the match was over. Corbin took out Dean Ambrose, hit him with the end of days. That's what led to Dean Ambrose getting eliminated by The Miz. So right then and there, that's a story that's going to be told. That's a robbery that's going to begin and already started this past SmackDown between uh, Dean and Baron. So I'm looking forward to that. We also saw John Cena defeat The Miz, eliminate him, and you have to think that at some point we're going to see those two guys connect against each other at WrestleMania. Even though, yes, it's going to involve the ladies as well, Nikki Bella and maurice not fond of that, but still, it created a story uh, where John Cena eliminated The Miz. You have to think that The Miz is going to come back looking for some revenge on John Cena. So that's another story. And again, Bray Wyatt winning the championship was another story. To see this guy go over John Cena cleanly the way he did, and then to beat AJ Styles cleanly the way he did, which is a tremendous story to tell because it finally gives Bray Wyatt recognition from his peers. And that now many fans are looking at this guy saying, wow, he's pretty damn good right now, man. You know, He just went over John Cena and AJ Styles, probably the two best performers on SmackDown today. To see him go over both those guys was just a huge, huge accomplishment for Bray Wyatt. For the structure itself, um, it was okay. I, I know where you're coming from, Ryan, in terms of trying to protect the wrestlers. You want to keep them safe from any harm leading into WrestleMania. I get that because we had so many injuries last year that derailed WrestleMania. You know, there was no Seth Rollins. There was no uh, John Cena. There was no Bray Wyatt that could wrestle. And I get where WWE is coming from. They, they don't want to go through that same thing again this year. I mean, they're already starting it with Seth Rollins still being hurt. Finn Balor couldn't possibly miss WrestleMania this year. And I get... I get the point, but still, you know, this is an Elimination Chamber match. You want to show the fans how dangerous this match really is, all right? You have all these commentators, the SmackDown, you know, broadcasting booth saying how much of a dangerous match it is. Before the match is over, you have this vignette. You have this promo from past wrestlers who talked about how dangerous this match is, whether it was Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, Booker T, guys that had performed in the match before, Talking about how dangerous it was. And one of the dangerous parts of the match. Was that steel flooring on the outside of the ring. And I just didn't like the fact that they had a little cover up. So the structure won't hurt the talent that bad. I get where they're coming from in terms of protecting the talent. But what's the point of saying that this is a dangerous match. When parts of the elimination chamber match that are dangerous. Are not being utilized the right way. Now yes you still have the chains. You still have the pods that you can hit people with. I get that. But still, what was so gruesome about the Elimination Chamber match is that when those guys took those bumps on that steel flooring, that's when you sit there and cringe like, holy crap, man, that must have hurt badly. And you have all these wrestlers talking up how dangerous this match is. You're not living up to it when you have cover-ups. On the floor, on the outside of the ring, covering the steel structure. I didn't like that one bit. I I think that was exposing the match. You can't do that. You got to utilize the match the right way it should be. Now, yes, again, I agree. You want to protect these wrestlers big time. And I think, you know, but still, I don't think that, you know, putting these guys on bumps through the steel structures will hurt them that greatly. And didn't have to utilize that structure all the time, but use it for some big spots. I just didn't get that aspect. But the new chamber look was cool. It looked like a lot taller. It wasn't wider than the other Elimination Chamber match. It looked taller. Um, And again, you know, it's still a dangerous match, but I just feel like not having that steel structure... Uh, available, basically, having the cover-up over the steel structure on the flooring, which is not a smart move, in my opinion, especially when you're talking, when you're having all these wrestlers who have performed in this match talking about the danger of this match. And that's the way you should do it. You should sh- tell fans that, hey, this match is dangerous, man. It could hurt people. It could end careers. You want to tell people that so people can look at it and say, damn, man, this match is badass. But you're not doing it when you're covering up part... the violence which is that steel structure on the floor again I just didn't agree with it I get where you're coming from Ryan but if it was up to me man forget the cover-ups expose that steel structure and have these guys go through the pain you don't have to go too far in terms of killing everybody but still don't weaken the match that way you want to make this match as dangerous as possible don't do it that way you cannot cover up the flooring on the outside of the ring because all it's doing is is weakening and underutilizing the match that is supposed to be what it is. And that is a dangerous match that could put careers on the line. They're just not doing it. So, again, it's a tough conversation. It's a tough point to make. But, again, I was just one of the people that was just not happy that the cover up on the floor, that they covered up the floor, you know, not having the steel structure, the the flooring on the steel structure exposed. I didn't, I didn't like that one bit. So, but overall though, it was still a good match and a big congratulations to Bray Wyatt, the new WWE champion.
0: Yeah. And you know what, like you said, it is a tough conversation, uh, you know, tough, tough topic of discussion. And you know what, maybe if it wasn't around WrestleMania time, maybe if this match, uh, you know, as pay-per-view occurred, at a different time of the year, I mean, maybe I could agree with you there. And again, I mean, I see where you're coming from, obviously. You know, me and you are obviously hardcore wrestling fans that have been watching for years, and we remember those days of when they had that steel outside of, you know, uh, know, the ring outside on the chamber. Of course, we remember that. Of course, we want to look back on those days, and we want to, you know, again, go back to those days, and we want to see certain things that we are used to seeing. But again, in this day and age, in this era, it's just not like that anymore, and nothing's brutal. I mean, it's a similar as, you know, the Hell in a Cell match. It's not as brutal as it once was back in the day. Uh, you know, again, a lot of things change nowadays, and, you know, I am not shocked one bit to see a safer working environment like we saw on Sunday in this match. You know, again, just was not shocked to see it at all. But at the same time, I didn't think it really took away from anything of, of the match either. Like, again, I know where you're coming from and saying, you know, that was one of the most brutal parts about uh, watching the match when you see somebody, you know, fall on there and go, wow, oh my God, that must have hurt. But you know what? I felt like it didn't really take away much. I thought the match was still good. I thought it was still fun. I mean, whenever somebody went on top of the pod, it, you know, a couple of times, Dean Ambrose went up there, uh, jumped onto John Cena, then John Cena jumped onto Bray and AJ. I think AJ went up there at one point. I don't think he ever jumped off. But again, I thought it was a very entertaining, very fun match overall. I did not think that it really took away much from it. But, you know, like you said, maybe if it was, you know, a, a different time of the year, I can understand, And you know, from your aspect. But like I said so close to WrestleMania, you don't want to see, God forbid, let's just say AJ Styles goes for a phenomenal forearm arm and then just gets tossed, you know, uh, onto the ground like that on the outside. And feel who knows? Imagine he blows out his knee and can't compete at WrestleMania. It, it, would, it just would not be worth it, you know, in my opinion. I thought for what it was, it was a good match, and it didn't really need to be any more than, than what it was. Uh, so again... I thought overall, it
1: was very, very good. All right, let's move on to another title change that took place on the show. Bray Wyatt's title win was not the only change. We have a new SmackDown Women's Champion, and her name is Naomi. She shocked the world, dethroning Alexa Bliss, and is now the new Women's Champion of SmackDown. Let me just say this. I mean, number one, I'm happy for Naomi. I really am. I think she deserved it personally. She's been doing this for eight long years She's gone through a lot of gimmicks, whether it was the Funkadactyls with Cameron to then becoming uh, Naomi, part of Team Bad with Tamina Snuka and Sasha Banks. She's gone through a lot, and now this character change of her, the the feel-the-glow, techno-music type uh, character has probably been the best character that she's had so far in the WWE. People like her a lot more because she's more open to do what she wants to do, and that is, of course, dance in front of the fans, show off her party side, and just display her tremendous athleticism and just be open up to the WWE fans. That's pretty good and all. And she's been a better performer in the ring because of it. Her matches are getting better, and she's been a good overall style performer. And I definitely think one day she's worthy of being women's champion. Here's my problem. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not gonna bash Naomi because she won the championship. I'm gonna bash the creative staff, the writing staff for WWE for making this happen too early. All right, look. You got I get it. It was a great moment for Naomi to win the belt. It was a great moment. It was a shocking moment. It was unpredictable. No one saw no one saw that coming, all right? Even if you are a big Naomi fan, you didn't see her win this match, all right? With the role Alexa Bliss was on, you just didn't see her winning this match. But that's why I had a problem with it because Alexa Bliss was on such a great role as champion. Ever since she's won that belt over Becky Lynch back in December, she has gone from being a solid, you know, middle, in the middle of women's wrestling to maybe one of the best women's performers today. I think she's, personally, I think she's the second best women's performer in WWE right now behind Charlotte. You know, in terms of charisma, in terms of her heel work, in terms of, you know, her improvement in the ring, she is, I think, number two behind Charlotte. She is that damn good. And she was on such a damn good run so far as Women's Champion. Why did it end so early? Why? Because you wanted to create a moment for Naomi? I get that. But still, number one, this match really had no build. It wasn't a great build. You know, Naomi pinned Bliss a couple of times. That's how the match was built up. It wasn't a long build. But again, you know, I just didn't agree with the decision to take the belt for Bliss. She was on such a good run. Why are you going to derail that by giving the belt to Naomi who, yes, deserves it, but she's just not there yet in terms of earning it? You know, she still has a lot to do before she gets gets herself involved as a women's champion. Like I said, I'm not going to discredit her winning this belt because I do believe that she is women champion uh, worthy. She's got women champion potential. As of right now, I just don't agree with the decision to take the belt off Alexa Bliss when she was on such a great run as champion. Now I'm not sure what's going to happen next between these two ladies. We're going to get a rematch. Is Bliss going to get her belt back? If she doesn't, what's she going to do next? Because Naomi's going to move on to a different opponent. What does that mean for Alexa Bliss? I really don't know. I just think it was a weird timing to have Alexa Bliss drop this belt after, what, two months as a champion? I mean, she deserved a longer reign, I thought. You know, I thought... She, she deserved to go into the WrestleMania as Women's Champion. Now, she could get the belt back. She can get the belt back on SmackDown in the next coming weeks. I believe next week they're having a match between her and Naomi. But still, though, it just doesn't make sense for her to drop the belt to Naomi to only get it back two weeks later. That is something that WWE has to stop doing. And it's not just on SmackDown. It's on Raw. It's on NXT. They have so many different title changes. It's annoying. I don't think they believe in title reigns anymore, which is absurd. You know, title reigns make superstars great these days. Not constant title victories. Look, let's talk about John Cena, for example. The guy's a 16-time world champion. He's he's tied Ric Flair's record. He's going to break Ric Flair's record. But this guy has not had any long title reigns that I can remember. Just look at his recent one. He beat AJ Styles for the world championship at the Royal Rumble. Dropped it two weeks later. How can I call him a credible champion when this guy doesn't have long title reigns? Ric Flair did. This guy was a long reign long long reigning champion back in his prime in WCW. So again, you know, I just hate the fact that WWE just thinks it's okay to constantly drop titles week by week. You know, they're basically making out that anybody can win the women's championship. Anyone can win this championship. Wrong. You have to earn it. I'm not saying Naomi didn't earn it, but right now, no, she has a lot to prove. And to see her dethrone Alexa Bliss this early during what was going to be a good run for Alexa just doesn't make sense for me. It just doesn't. Again, I don't want to take anything away from Naomi. Good for her. She deserved it. I think she's going to be a good women's champion. I have questions on how long this is going to be. I don't see it being a long run for Naomi, especially when she's in a division that has Bliss, that has Becky Lynch, and has Mickie James. I don't see her having a long run. Even Nikki Bella and Natalya. You can't forget about those girls. So I'm not sure how long this reign is. That's why I don't agree with the decision because I know with her winning this championship, she's not going to have a long reign. So what's the point? What, because you want to make a moment? Okay, but still... Think of your storylines. Think of what makes sense. This is, this doesn't make sense to me. To have her win the bell over Bliss, who was red hot, to possibly drop it back to Bliss a week later? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's a good possibility. It just didn't make sense for me. The match was good. Naomi did get her in the match. Hopefully she's okay because she announced it on SmackDown. But still, though, why are you going to ruin something that was working? Bliss as a champion was doing so damn good. She was on top of the world. And then she drops the belt just like that to Naomi. Doesn't really make sense for me. The only thing I could really think
0: of, you know, as to why Naomi is the champion, is to possibly set up a Mickey James title win either in the next coming weeks or at WrestleMania, if they indeed have a match for this Maeve Women's title, and if it's on the line, you know, I'm, I'm kind of worried uh, that they're actually going to throw something stupid together for WrestleMania, like some, uh, you know, tag team match or something like a six-on-six, a six, uh, you know, a three-on-three three match, you know, whatever, you know, Becky, uh, Naomi, and, and somebody else versus Alexa, Mickey, and somebody else. I'm afraid they're going to do some stupid thing like that. Hopefully they have a match where the title's on the line and maybe this sets up Mickey James title win and then maybe, uh, you know, Alexa wants Mickey or whatever. Uh, That's the only thing I could think of because, like you said, Alexa Bliss was on a really, really good role I mean, you know, ever since winning the belt back in December, uh, beating Becky Lynch, she has just been on fire. I mean, nobody can deny that. And, again, like you said, nobody really expected her to drop the belt this early. And, again, I don't really – I'm not going to say that I totally agree with the decision. But, again, like you said, I mean, it's a feel-good moment for Naomi. I mean, how could you really be, like, upset to see Naomi win the belt? Again, this this is somebody who has really, uh, you know, really scratched and clawed to get to this spot i mean she really has been working hard for a number of years and is one of the best in-ring performers you know that i've seen in the women's division over the last couple of years in wwe i always said that she was championship material and it just so happened she finally wins the belt when uh you know again i don't really agree with the decision so i don't really know why they did that uh again i'm curious to see how this all plays out we know that smackdown they say is the land of the opportunities and you know, they've really shown that. They've been giving opportunities to everybody to hold, you know, to, to hold these belts and to get their moments. And maybe this is just another example of them wanting to give Naomi this moment. And again, like you said, it's a good moment. But again, long-term booking-wise, I don't see where you go with this. Again, maybe it is did short reign for her. Maybe they wanted to give her the belt to walk into WrestleMania, which, again, is in Orlando, and they keep reiterating that it's her hometown, and she keeps saying that she wants her family there or whatever. So maybe they just wanted to give her that moment of walking into Mania uh, with the championship. And I just don't see her surviving if, if the title is on the line there. I don't see her walking out as a champion when you have Becky Lynch, Mickey James, and Alexa Bliss who are all gunning for that belt. I just don't see how you can give Naomi a long run at this point. So I'm curious to see how it all plays out. Again, I, I mean, it's just if, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have taken the belt off of her right away. But you know what? It is what it is. We have to see how it plays out, uh, you know, next coming weeks and months leading into WrestleMania.
1: As for the rest of the show, I mean, it was solid overall. Uh, I thought the Luke Harper Randy Orton match was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm excited about Luke Harper's future in SmackDown, specifically WWE. Um, this guy is showing you that he has tremendous potential as a singles guy. And it's because of his performances in the ring, yes, he still has lots of work to do in terms of microphone skills, but this guy has the fans by his side. And and when you see people cheering for this guy, it tells you that he's doing something right. So the Harper-Orin match was great. Looking forward to seeing more from Luke Harper as he looks like he's going to be involved in this upcoming story between uh, Bray, Randy, and himself. That should be some good stuff. Tag team turmoil was really not that special to me. It was just a way for all these SmackDown tag teams to get their opportunity. I get that you want to give everyone an opportunity, but still, they're just not built up the way they should be right now. You know, you want them to get the opportunity, but you're not doing themselves justice. You got to build these guys up. You gotta, you got. I mean, look, you know, the Ascension's a perfect example. These two guys were the were once the longest reigning tag team champions of NXT. When you watch these two guys in NXT back a couple of years ago, and you watch them today, you would never think they would be this bad. You thought, holy crap, look how great they are in NXT. These two are going to be badasses when they hit the main roster has been the complete opposite. You know, it has not been the same. And it's not on them. They're they're two very good talents. You know, they got good chemistry. Talking about Connor and Victor. It's just the way WWE has booked them as characters. The way they've been booking them as mostly jobbers instead of a legitimate threat to the tag team belts. I mean recently they've been booked a lot better. I mean they just had a great match with American Alpha this past Tuesday on SmackDown. And they were the last ones to be eliminated. In the tag team turmoil but still though I mean enough with the face paint they they look like a road warrior demolition ripoff the face paint is stupid make them their own gimmick make them their own character why do you have to have these guys be road warrior demolition ripoffs that's not them I don't get why they just don't bring these guys they, they they bring the guys from NXT back to the main roster make it make them who they were in NXT No face paint, just serious badasses, not jobbers, not a joke. Book them the right way, and hopefully they start doing that. Because like I said, they've been doing a better job in booking these two guys, but they still have a long ways to go before they can call themselves legitimate tag team title contenders. But again, for the match itself, it wasn't that great. All it did for me was that it uh, sparked The beginning of the American Alpha Usos feud. A feud that we've been wanting to see for quite some time. It looks like we're going to get that going into Wrestlemania as of course this past Tuesday we saw the Usos cut a promo on American Alpha. It looks like that's going to be happening pretty soon. Looking forward to that. But tag team turmoil did nothing for me. Uh, The women's matches were good. I thought Natty and Nikki had a solid match. The double countout finish. People hated it. I didn't think it was that bad. It does continue their feud. Of course they're having another match. Uh, next week, False Count Anywhere match that should be good. That should end the feud. And Becky Lynch versus Mickey James good. It was a good is a good match overall too. So uh, that was pretty solid. Uh, the Apollo Cruz, Dolph Ziggler, Kalisto stuff. I just, I mean, I liked the fact that Dolph Ziggler came out during Kalisto's entrance and attacked Kalisto from behind, so he could make it a one versus one and not a two versus one. And I thought that we were getting that. I thought we were getting Cruz versus Ziggler, no Kalisto involved. But of course, Kalisto came back, got involved. In the match, of course, they picked up the pinfall victory. No shocker there for me. And there was no shocker at the very end when Ziggler came into the ring and hit both Kalisto and Cruz with the chair. And, of course, he put Cruz's leg in between the chair, stomped on it. Looks like he's going to, um, you know, storyline-wise, he's going to take out Cruz for a couple of months, looks like, or even a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, overall, though, uh, solid pay-per-view for um, for Elimination Chamber. As we crowned two new champions. And overall, though, it was just solid action, and it was just another decent pay per view for the SmackDown brand.
0: Yeah, it was decent. I mean, uh, you know, up until the two title matches, of course, I thought, you know, I thought it was a little uneventful at times. Uh, I mean, you know, Mickey James, Becky Lynch, that was an okay match, which saw a pretty surprising finish, but again, didn't really make Mickey look weak as Becky just uh, rolled her up. So I was okay with that. Uh, the Power Cruz, Kalisto, Dolph Ziggler stuff, to me, it was just so stupid and deserved to be on the pre-show. Uh, again, I just did not care for that stuff at all. Uh, Nikki Bella, Natalya, they had an okay match, but again, the uh, double disqualification, count out, whatever it was, finish, uh, is stupid to me, but again, I understand Continues their feud, and you know, next week they'll have a false count anywhere match, which, thank God, hopefully when this. Disastrous feuds. We never have to see these two bickering at each other on Tuesday nights anymore because it's. I just had enough of seeing that already. Uh, you know, Luke Harper, Randy Orton was was okay. Uh, again, nothing really too special in that match. Of course, no shocker in Randy Orton getting the win. He needed that heading into Mania, so that was all right. Um, you know, the tag team turmoil stuff to me was just a joke. I mean, American Alpha beating every single tag team. I mean, it just it really exposed the tag team division in my opinion. I mean, it really exposed it to the big joke that it is. I mean, really, there is absolutely no competition for American alpha on SmackDown. There's absolutely none. I mean, to me, that would have been the perfect opportunity for the revival to step in because I think the revival's presence are desperately needed on SmackDown right now. Um, so if I'm running the show there, they are getting the call up and they're getting that mania match against American alpha instead of the Usos. Uh, I mean, It's just, it's stupid how the Usos are going to jump right back into here when they got beat in this match. I mean, it it just, it really doesn't make much sense to me. But again, I guess that's the only team on SmackDown right now that could give American Alpha a run for their money. So, to me, the whole thing was just a joke and really showed that American Alpha is the only dominant team on SmackDown right now. If I had to pick one weakness out of SmackDown, because there's really not much to ever really complain about about it, it's the tag team division and how terrible it really is. So... The Revival's presence is absolutely needed. Hopefully we get that after Mania, and they better go to SmackDown because there's no excuse for them to go anywhere else because their presence is desperately needed, like I said. So, overall, not much really went on. I mean, if you missed the first half of the pay-per-view and just tuned into those two title matches, you basically saw everything that you really needed to see, in my opinion. But again, I've seen worse pay per views. So overall, I'd say it was a decent night overall. So again, not really much to complain about, but nothing all too special right before WrestleMania.
1: Uh, Yeah, let's continue to talk about WWE as we move ahead now to this week's uh, action Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. A lot of people liked Raw this week. I really didn't, you know, for a couple of reasons. I mean, let's start with the positives. The big positives on the show, I thought there were two. Number one, Samoa Joe for the third straight week making a huge, huge statement to those who still don't know who he really is if you don't follow NXT. I mean, look, his first time he was on Raw, he attacked Seth Rollins. He did injure Seth Rollins, but still, he attacked Seth Rollins. Second week, he wrestled Roman Reigns in the main event. Had a good match, won the match. Third week, cuts this tremendous promo. He was interviewed. Tremendous promo he cut, basically putting the entire roster on notice. Also saying that he doesn't need Triple H by his side. He can do it by himself. But, of course, Triple H is there for support. Outstanding promo. I mean, Samojo, like I said before, this guy is is known more for his wrestling ability than his talking ability. Right? This guy has always been a good talker. Going back to his teenage days when he was young and is hitting his prime. He was a great talker. And again, he is killing it right now. So far, three weeks through Raw, still there's a lot of time for WWE to bury this guy. But I don't think you can do it with this guy's talent, both in the ring, on the microphone, his look, the way he carries himself, the way he presents himself. The guy is too good of a talent to be buried. So I see big things ahead for Samoa Joe moving forward. And then of course, after the Sami Zayn match, he attacks Sami Zayn. What does that mean? Possibly a feud between those two guys. That's going to be awesome. It's going to help out Sami Zayn a lot because he needs something to do. And I think their chemistry going back to NXT was really good that they can put together a good solid feud. So, right then and there, again, Samoa Joe for the third straight week made a huge statement. Looking forward to seeing more from him on Monday Night Raw. In terms of the Festival of Friendship little segment between uh, Chris Jericho and uh, Kevin Owens, I thought it was great. I thought that was hysterical. The stuff that they did during this segment, it reminded me of "This Is Your Life." If, if you go back and you watch that segment back in 1999, when it was The Rock's birthday and Mick Foley was bringing out all these people that The Rock knew growing up, whether it was his football coach, whether it was sixth grade English teacher, it kind of felt the same way, you know, having Jericho come out, have paintings and gifts for Kevin was making him feel so special. And then the very end, we got the turn. Uh, Kevin Owens turns on Chris Jericho, gave him the list of Kevin Owens, attacked him, takes him out. Uh, It hurt a lot of people, of course, because they love the duo between Owens and Jericho. It was fun when it lasted, but it had to come to an end sooner. You know, we knew this was going to come. I thought it was a little bit too early. I would have saved this after Fastlane. But, you know, it is what it is. They made it happen right now. I think the story now is going to be. At Fastlane, when Owens does defend the belt versus Goldberg, I think Jericho's going to come out. He's going to screw Kevin Owens out of that championship. And then those two guys are going to butt heads, going to WrestleMania with the United States title on the line. Not the greatest match, but again, it is what it is. You know, WWE, no. It's still a stupid idea to give the belt to Goldberg, but that's a conversation safe for later. But back to Owens and Jericho. The segment was great. It really was. It was humorous. It went from being humorous, funny, laughter to personal sadness because we saw the breakup of a great friendship. But good segment overall between those two guys. Um, It was just played out perfectly. You know, he had Jericho come out, be so happy, being, you know, I'm your best friend, Kevin Owens, you can always count on me. And then Owens being who he was, you know, not excited. He was like, all right, you know, this is pretty cool, I guess. You're my best friend, too. Gives Jericho a gift, lists to Kevin Owens, and Owens goes back to being his old self. And again, that's the way WWE should book this guy for now on. Make him a badass. You know, don't make him look weak. Don't make make him look like a little bitch. Make this guy a badass. Like, he was in NXT. When you go back and watch his title run in NXT, this guy gave two you-know-whats and just focused on beating the crap out of his opponent. He said, I don't care who you put in front of me, I'm going to beat them. Because I'm Kevin Owens. I'm the best freaking talent you have. I'm the universal champion. Do that from now on. Make this guy a serious champion. They still haven't done their part yet. Making this guy feel special. During this whole title run, You know, Chris Jericho and Roman Reigns were more over than Kevin Owens. Hell, even Chris Jericho's freaking list was more over than Kevin Owens. So hopefully, after this split, Kevin Owens could be considered more special now. Now... With him losing the championship, that's not going to be the case. But still, book this guy the right way. Make him a badass stop with the constant bitching, the way they book this guy as a complainer. Enough already. Make this guy a different heel. Make him a heel that fits his personality. And his personality is, is of a guy that gives two shits about anything, says, all right, you want to put that in front of me? I'm going to beat that guy's ass. I'm going to go through what you're going to put me through, and I'm going to still walk out your champion. That's the way he should be built, not as a complainer, not as a whiner. That's not who Kevin Owens really is. But out of the positives out of that show, those are the two big ones. Samoa Joe making another big statement for the third straight week and the eventual breakup between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho were the two highlights of Raw, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I tend to agree with that. I mean, if you're really going to pick out anything – out of Raw, I mean, obviously, there's three things that really stand out to me. Uh, that's, of course, like you just mentioned, the Samoa Joe, you know, Sami Zayn stuff. I think that's brilliant. Uh, you know, I would love to see his feud continue and go all the way into WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I just think this is audible just because Samoa Joe was originally supposed to face Seth Rollins at Fastlane. So now Sami Zayn is his replacement, and I think that's great. I think that's a great opponent for Sami Zayn, as well as, you know, a great opponent for Samoa Joe. I mean, Samoa Joe's first pay per view match. I really couldn't think of a better opponent. I mean, obviously, we would have loved Seth Rollins in there, but Sami Zayn is the is the next best guy that you could possibly put in this situation. So, uh, you know, I would love to see this feud continue, go all the way into WrestleMania. I think this is definitely, uh, has the it to be really, really good. Obviously, we know it's going to be a really good match. Uh, we see Sami Zayn involved still in something major, which is good. And like you said, Samoa Joe continues to just kill it in his short time on Raw. Uh, the interview with Michael Cole, I thought, was very very solid basically putting everybody on notice it was exactly what they needed to do with Samoa Joe to introduce him to an audience that might not be familiar with him so you know they're doing a fine job so far with booking him as a monster heel uh, and we'll see what happens I, I would expect him to go over San Zayn at Fastlane and continue my question is what does he do at Wrestlemania uh, I mean it really took all of us by surprise when he debuted on Raw instead of Smackdown I don't really know if it's an opponent on Raw that really you know that he's he could really work with that mania unless it's of course Sami Zayn. but of course why would they have that at Fastlane lane if they plan on doing that at wrestlemania again so who knows i mean i would not complain about it but it just seems weird that they would do it at the pay-per-view before wrestlemania and then do it at mania again really doesn't make much sense to me as for the uh, festival of friendship thing like you said brian i mean that was absolutely hilarious if you didn't laugh and enjoy it and I mean, I just, I don't know if you have a sense of humor or whatnot, but I mean, this was absolutely hilarious. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about it is literally from the start, you could tell that Kevin Owens, there was something off about him. You know, we saw Triple H take him off to the side and talk to him in the back, and right then and there, you kind of thought something was up. And then when he came out, and you could tell throughout the whole entire segment, it wasn't the Kevin Owens that we've been seeing, you know, the past couple of weeks. He was just kind of down and and felt like he didn't want to be there, and To me, it kind of gave it away a little bit. But when the moment did happen, I thought it was executed perfectly. I mean, the camera angles, everything. When Kevin Owens goes to give Chris Jericho the gift, and Jericho opens it up and he pulls out the list. And at first, he goes, oh, another list. And you see the list, and then he goes, wait, why is my name on it? And then, the way the camera angle is, the way the, the whole entire segment is shot, you see the back of the list where it says the list of KO. And right then and there, you heard the reaction from the crowd, and then it was just like, oh my god, no way. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Owen just attacks him. I thought that was done very, very good. I mean, just the whole entire thing. And I really give a lot of credit, like I said, to the camera angle on that one, because, you know, you really got to see that right as he pulls it out of the box and he lifts it up. Then you get to see it, and of course the live crowd saw exactly what we saw on television. I thought it was done perfectly like you said, though, I would have waited a little bit. I would have waited until after Fastlane. But you know what? Thinking about it again, it makes a ton of sense because Jericho was the one that basically gave Goldberg the match for the Universal title against Owens at Fastlane. So now this opens up the opportunity for Jericho to screw Owens over. And you know what? If that happens, which I would assume would happen, I and mean, that's only it's the only logical scenario at this point, if that does happen, I think Owens is lost to Goldberg it's going to look a lot better than it would if Owens was just going to lose clean without an interference. Because, you know, Jericho could cost him a match and then Goldberg could just get him out of nowhere. And then again, it doesn't make Owens look all that bad that he got beat by Goldberg. I mean, he, he you know, got, he, he was an interference. He was, you know, he got, you know, betrayed again. So, I think that would be a perfect scenario. And again, it makes a ton of sense then as to why Owens turned on him now as opposed to waiting until after that playing. So, yeah, I mean, I thought those two segments were done very, very good. And, you know, probably the two bright spots of Raw as well. I thought the last segment could be a bright spot too, but uh, I guess we'll get into that right now so you can give your thoughts on that first, Brian.
1: Yeah, final thoughts about that whole situation with Goldberg and Kevin Owens. If there is a decision, because, look, we all know Goldberg's winning that belt. The only decision that I will accept in terms of Goldberg beating Kevin Owens is if is if Chris Jericho screws him. If they have Goldberg go over Kevin Owens cleanly, the way they did have Goldberg go over Brock Lesnar the way he did, that would be the dumbest thing you could possibly do for Kevin Owens. It would make Kevin Owens look very, very weak. You want to protect Kevin Owens as a, uh, as a superstar? You want to protect him as a wrestler? Have Chris Jericho screw this guy so you can build that feud up. And don't and not make Kevin Owens look weak to Goldberg, because it will be a bad look for Kevin Owens if he drops his championship to Goldberg in about a minute or twenty six, whatever the time is going to be. Because it's going to be a short match. Goldberg doesn't wrestle long matches. If you ever watch Goldberg, this guy doesn't have long matches. The average matches he has in terms in terms of durations around six seven minutes. All right, those are very short matches, especially in this day and age. So it's going to be a short match. And my fear is is that Goldberg's going to go over this guy the way he did to Brock. He's going to spear him a couple of times, and he's going to jackhammer him. Not the best move. You want to protect Kevin Owens. Brock could handle it. To have him go over the way he did to Brock, Brock is going to be fine because he's Brock Lesnar. You're trying to make Kevin Owens into this superstar. You want to make him this badass, dominant talent. You cannot have that happen to him at the hands of a 50-year-old Goldberg. You just can't do it. So if you want to protect Kevin Owens in this match, have Jericho screw him so you can protect him, but you can also begin their feud going to WrestleMania. But let's move on to that final segment Ryan, the women's title match. Bailey, Charlotte. I said it on the Instagram page. I said it on the Instagram page if you follow us. Was it a great match? Yes, it was. It was a very good match. Hell, Dave Meltzer gave it a big time rating. I think he gave. I think he gave Bailey and Charlotte four and a half stars. Great, great rating for those two girls. It was a great match. Was it a great moment to see Bailey win the belt? Absolutely. Who doesn't want to see Bailey become women's champion? Was it the right time? Absolutely not. I'm sorry. I, I, I am Ryan. I'm getting sick and tired. Of seeing this hot potato type little booking that WWE is doing right now with the current Raw Women's Championship. It's enough. It was annoying to see it happen during the Charlotte-Sasha Banks feud. And now it's going to be even more annoying with this upcoming Charlotte-Bailey feud. It's absurd. I'm sorry. Here's why it's absurd. I'm not saying it's absurd that Bailey won the championship, that she doesn't deserve it. No, I'm not saying that at all. She deserves to be champion. Hell, she's earned it. She's gone through a lot. She's had a long road to WWE. And she has earned and she has won over the fans with her gimmick, with her charisma in the ring. Her microphone skills are getting better. She's a good wrestler. But it's mostly the gimmick. The way she connects with the fans is tremendous. I still call her the female version of John Cena. And with her connection, with her story being public now, you know Charlotte basically saying that, oh, you know she she was a fan growing up, but you know still, who cares what uh, who cares what she had done uh, going growing up? I'm the real superstar, blah blah blah. WWE had a great story to tell here, where you have Bailey representing the fans, being that you know that lovable child that just wanted to become a pro wrestler. Just like us, you know, we want to get involved in the wrestling business. She wanted to become a pro wrestler. That is a lot of young kids' dreams. Watching the WWE, watching wrestling, period. They want to become a pro wrestler, and WWE had a great story to tell. Where you have her become, you know, this ultimate underdog. Where you know all she wants to do is become women's champion. She's going to fight her way to become women's champion, and we're inching closer to WrestleMania season. The place where dreams become reality, where moments become true. And there is no better place to have Bayley win this championship, to tell this story, than by having it happen at WrestleMania. The place where dreams become reality. But no, according to Vince, whoever freaking runs Raw, no, 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 no. Let's have this moment happen on Monday Night Raw. Are you kidding me? You're going to ruin a special moment like that on a Monday night raw that no one is ever going to remember as we look back on this months later. When we, 6 months later, when we look back, are we ever going to look back at this raw? No, we're not. The moment doesn't feel special to me because it happened on a Monday night raw. If this would have happened at WrestleMania, this moment would have been huge. Not as huge as Daniel Bryan not as huge as Seth Rollins. But it would have been huge. It would have been huge for her. It would have been huge for her fans. It would have been huge for women's wrestling period. And it was taken away from us. So it could happen on a Monday Night Raw in Las Vegas. Are you kidding me? I mean I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Why? Because you want to you know, continue this feud between her and Charlotte. And you want to continue this undefeated streak at pay-per-views for Charlotte who gives a crap I don't care the streak doesn't mean anything to me it has no meaning oh wow Charlotte's undefeated pay-per-view so what nobody cares so again that's why I didn't like this whole segment again it was a great match it was a great moment but this moment should have been saved for Wrestlemania not Monday Night Raw it doesn't feel special because look look what's going to happen now. There's going to be a rematch at Fastlane. I have some people come up to me and say, well, I'm not sure about that. You know, they still could do a tag team match between Charlotte and Nia Jax versus Sasha and Bayley. No, 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 no. Stop. That's not happening. We're going to get Charlotte versus Bailey again. What's going to happen, people? We're going to see Charlotte become Women's Champion again. Continuing her stupid, undefeated pay-per-view streak. You know what's going to happen next? WrestleMania. Women's Championship is going to be on the line. It could be another singles match. It could be a multiple women's match. Add Sasha and Nia Jackson to the mix. Who doesn't matter? I still think Bayley's going to walk out the Women's Champion that night. Is the moment going to feel special? Hell no, it's not. Because she's already won the championship. That's why I'm pissed off. Because... You want to make a memorable moment for her career to finally win the Women's Championship? Have it happen at WrestleMania, not Monday Night Raw. It's stupid. WWE really has no patience when it comes to moments like this. They think it's just okay to continue to throw, to to continue to constantly have the title changes in the Women's Division. It's not okay. I mean, hell, by the end of 2017, Charlotte could be where her father is. She may have 16 women's title championships by the end of 2017. It's stupid. Doesn't make sense. So again, you know, I don't want to denigrate this moment for Bailey. It's a great moment for her. Congratulations Bailey, you deserve it. Just in my personal opinion, this was not the right place to do it. It doesn't feel special because it happened on Raw, not at WrestleMania. Where it should have happened. And that's why I wasn't a fan of this segment. But again, it happened. Congratulations, Bailey, New Women's Champion. But in terms of what's going to happen next, I'm not looking forward to it because I know what's going to happen. Charlotte's going to get that belt back at Fastlane. And then she's going to drop the belt to, at WrestleMania to probably Bailey Or it could be Sasha Banks. But still, the moment of that happening at Mania is not going to feel special because we've seen both Sasha and Bailey. Hold a championship already. That's why it's not going to feel special. And that's why I was not at all pleased when this happened Monday Night Raw. This moment should have been saved for WrestleMania, not on a Monday Night Raw.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, last week. And, again, I mean, you could have seen this coming from a mile away. This is what happens. You know, Charlotte loses on Raw, wins back at pay-per-views. You could see it was in Vegas. They're making a big deal about it. It was the main event. You could tell a title change was coming. I'm actually okay with it for a couple of different reasons. One, you know, there is a long way still until Mania. So there is no possible way they could have dragged this out without giving the belt to Bailey somewhere between now and Mania. There is no way they could have dragged this out. Also, too, maybe they wanted to give this win to Bailey here because coming out of Raw, this is what everybody was talking about. I mean, of course, people were talking about Owens turning on Jericho as well, but this was the ultimate highlight of Raw. I mean, this went off the air. You, the, this is what they left you with. You know, you saw you know, backstage videos and everything. It was all about Bailey and her title win. If this was going to happen at a WrestleMania, you know, there's so many things that are going to happen at WrestleMania, so many different things that could have taken away her moment a little bit because it could have gotten overshadowed by just say Brock winning the universal title or, you know, Kevin Owens winning the United States title. It maybe wouldn't have been as big of a deal as it would have, you know, like it was this past Monday. So from that aspect, I kind of get it. Now, everybody expects Charlotte to win this belt back at fast lane because that's what she does. She wins at pay per views She's undefeated. We know that. But, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to do what they did with Sasha Banks this time. I think, you know, obviously we saw Sasha, you know, help Bayley win the title, okay? We saw her come out and she hit Charlotte with uh, the crutch. So I think at Fastlane, if it's Bayley and Charlotte again, which you would assume it would be, you assume Charlotte's going to get a rematch, I think Sasha Banks gets involved again. And I think, again, she, you know, does something to you know, hit Charlotte or whatever. I think she disqualifies Charlotte somehow, which gives Charlotte the victory, so she's still undefeated at pay-per-views, but Bayley still holds on to the title. Then, you know, I, I don't think it happens a fair thing. I think, you know, maybe the next night or after that or whatever. Then, eventually, we see Sasha Banks turn on Bayley and say, you know what, this is twice now that I helped you, you know, retain this belt. You know, you can't win it on your own or whatever. It's a mat. You know, uh, you know now you have to beat me or whatever. And this is where it sets up: Bailey, Sasha, and Charlotte. And I don't really know where Naya fits into this if she is going to get into this match at WrestleMania. I really don't know where she fits into this unless she comes in and just says she wants a shot and they add her into the mix. But right now, it, it looks like it's going to be revolving around those three ladies. So that is how I see it going down. And then you know you drag it out. And then of course WrestleMania, you have Bailey walk out as the champion. And, you know, it could, you could say she overcame she overcame her former best friend who turned on her, and the woman who basically has four title rings already and who's undefeated at pay-per-views, she overcame that as well and ruined her pay-per-view streak. That could be Bayley's WrestleMania moment there instead of her originally winning the belt for the first time there, which is kind of obvious and which is what everybody assumed would happen in the first place. So instead, they're giving us a different direction, and I can't say I hate it. So that's the way I see it going down and how it's playing out because... I, I see where you're coming from, Brian, and again, I, I, I was I wanted that moment to be at WrestleMania as well. But thinking about it, seeing how it, it all unfolded, and then, you know, looking at the calendar and seeing how far away we actually are, I mean, this scenario makes a lot more sense than her winning the belt for the first time at Mania.
1: I mean, I see where you're coming from, and I do hope that that is the case then with this current storyline at Fastlane. We see Sasha Banks get involved. I just don't see it, though. I I just think it's clear to its day that Charlotte is going to get that belt back at Fastlane. She's going to defend the belt WrestleMania to, ki- to keep her undefeated stupid pay-per-view streak on the line. And then she'll finally lose her first pay-per-view match at WrestleMania. To who? I don't know. Does it matter? A little bit, but the moment won't feel that special, whether it's Sasha or Bayley, because they were champions already. And again, you know, WrestleMania is the place where you want to see moments like we saw Monday happen. And I just think they wasted it. I mean, yeah, maybe in terms of storyline purposes and how long it is from now to WrestleMania, I, I get it a little bit. But still, though, I just think Bailey winning the championship was better served for WrestleMania and not on a Monday Night Raw that we're not going to remember. When we look back at it, six months later, we're not going to remember this. I mean, we maybe will because of the owens Jericho split up. But when we look back at this Raw, February 13th, we're going to remember more for that than Bailey win the championship. And that's sad because Bailey deserves a better moment, a bigger moment than when she got on Raw. It was a great moment, no doubt about it. But if it happened to WrestleMania, it would have been more memorable because it was WrestleMania. That's just me, but it is what it is. Bailey's a new champion, and we'll have to see where they go from here. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we got to recap SmackDown and NXT. Plus, we got to get into some UFC talk. As, you know, we have a new UFC women's featherweight champion, Jermaine Durand. We're going to get our thoughts on that. Plus, some other news going on in the UFC. Brock Lesnar retiring. George St. Pierre making a comeback. And, of course, the big news Conor McGregor was Floyd Mayweather. Is that officially going to happen? We may see it very, very soon. We'll get into all that in the second hour right after this break. We'll be right back with the Roy Rumble Podcast. Hang on, everybody.
0: Wouldn't you like to do something cool and exciting? Whether you're a veteran show host, or someone who's never hit the airwaves we want you join the family at its your radio today visit the website at www.itsyourradio.com all it takes is a computer with the Internet and some
1: software voice calls are powered by Skype create your dream show be the host you want to be we are here to support you
0: The best part of It's Your Radio, is 100% the people. They back you 100%. Get a free website and blog for as long as you're on the air. You're able to use a subdomain on your choice of, itsyourradio.com, or, iyr.me. If you want to bring your own domain along, that's an option too. Every site is a beautiful creation from our in-house designers, the same team from Clearly Logic. From the server standpoint, we use the best servers powered by a Fortacast. We're a huge family, really.
1: So, you get to host a show, you get a blog, and you get to be part of a family. It's your radio, as you covered
0: from broadcast to podcast. What more could you want? Join the family today. Do something amazing with us.
1: It's your radio, the future of radio. And welcome back to the Royal Ramble podcast here on It'sYourRadio.com. One hour in the books, we get into our second hour now. Of course, you guys can follow us on social media. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. You can also. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling and follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. For me, you can follow me, B underscore Senek 95. You can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore Martirana. Plus, again, you guys, you can subscribe to our show on Stitcher and on iTunes. So, one hour in the books. So let's get into our second hour with some more WWE talk and then we're going to dive into some MMA talk. We'll start off though with Smackdown recap. Um, first, Smackdown. Uh, episode post elimination chamber, I thought it was outstanding. I, I really thought it was really, really good. Starting off with the main event. Triple threat match for the World Championship. Bray Wyatt, John Cena, AJ Styles. Awesome match. Really, really well done. The the spots in the match were good. The storytelling it was really, really good. I mean the match got off to a hot start. You know, when Bray Wyatt was walking out, here comes Luke Harper. Attacking Bray Wyatt, I'm like, holy crap, you know, he got involved. What's gonna happen next? And of course Bray Wyatt still want to win in the match But again, it, it creates a lot of intrigue with Luke Harper, but that match was really really good At the end of it here comes Randy Orton. And if you're a fan, you're thinking holy crap. Here we go. Here comes the split up we're gonna start seeing the beginning stages of uh, Randy versus Bray instead though, we got the opposite as Randy basically said I forbid myself from wrestling you at WrestleMania, I'm not going to wrestle you, I still want to learn, I want to be your servant, saying that I'm not, I don't want to face you at WrestleMania, which now creates intrigue in terms of who the number one contender is going to be at WrestleMania, and of course next week on SmackDown we are getting the Battle Royal to determine the new number one contender for Bray Wyatt's championship. When you look at the story, what's going to tell, I think this is going to happen. I think everybody knows it's going to happen. I think Luke Harper's winning the match next week. It makes perfect sense for Luke Harper to win it. The guy is involved in the story with Bray and Randy. Have him involved in the championship match. It makes perfect sense for Luke Harper. It would be awesome to see this guy involved in this match. I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to get his championship match versus Bray Wyatt. But Randy Orton is going to come back into the mix and say, hey, 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 I'm the number one contender. So if you want to face Bray Wyatt, you want, you got to beat me. And I think they're going to do some swerve where Luke is facing Randy. And then going to have Bray Wyatt get involved and it's going to lead to some sort of triple threat match. That's what I see happening. I think Luke's going to win the Battle Royal. I think before he gets that match with Bray Wyatt, he has to face Randy Orton. Because Randy's the rightful number one contender. And I believe during that match... We're going to see some sort of scorey finish where Bray gets involved. And then we're going to see Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon, whoever it is, come out saying we're going to have a triple threat match. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. It's going to be a little awkward to see Randy versus Bray when they're still a unit together. We're still waiting for that eventual split up like we saw with Owens and Jericho on Monday. But still, I think adding Luke Harper into the mix is the right move. If it's anybody else, it really won't make that much sense. I know there's fans that want to see AJ involved, and that would be cool. But AJ doesn't mix in well with the story that's being told right now. We look at the story between these three guys right here, Bray, Randy, and Luke. You know, we saw Randy come in involved in the Wyatt family. That didn't go well with Luke Harper. He was jealous. Him and Randy didn't get along with each other. Which led to Luke Harper getting kicked out of the Wyatt family. And now Luke Harper's coming back for some vengeance. Attacking Bray. Attacking Randy Orton week by week. And he's getting a lot of steam right now. People are starting to dig what Luke Harper is starting to bring. So why not have this guy involved? It makes perfect sense to me. So that's what I see happening. But that main event match was really, really good. All the stuff on the show. Baron Corbin and Dean Ambrose. Their little... Mini brawl that they had was really, really good. I'm looking forward to seeing their upcoming uh, feud going on at WrestleMania. Um, you know, the women's segments were really solid. I thought uh, Naomi and, and Alexa Bliss had their little microphone battle. I uh, Alexa Bliss basically tortured Naomi the way she did as a heel. She was perfect. Naomi still has a lot of work to do in terms of microphone skills. That's her biggest. That's her biggest weakness right now is that. She, has a great, she is a good athlete. Her character is starting to get a little bit better. But as a talker, Naomi still has a lot of work to do. She is nowhere near the talker Alexa Bliss is. She never will be, in my opinion. So looking forward to seeing more from those two girls, though. Of course, Alexa Bliss um, basically throwing a challenge down to Naomi that she has one week to give her a rematch. I'm going to take the bell away from you. That thought that was pretty good. And I also got to say too the tag team title, uh, excuse me, the tag team match between uh, American Alpha and the Ascension was very, very good. I thought Ascension were booked really good in that match, but again, they failed to win. It looks like they're gonna move on now to Alpha versus Usos, which I'm perfectly fine with. I think that's a good feud. Are the Usos gonna win? I highly doubt it. But if there's any tag team In that division that can go toe-to-toe with the American Alpha and give them a run for their money. It is the Usos because they are former tag team champions. They've been around for a long time where people do take these two guys seriously. And I think since their heel turn, they have been really, really good. They haven't been booked the greatest way. But still, out of all those tag teams, whether it's the Villains, whether it's um, Heath Slater and Rhino, whether it's um, the Ascension, the Fashion Police... The Usos are a more serious tag team because they got the records, they got the resume, and their character change was very, very good. So overall, though, first SmackDown post-Elimination Chamber was very, very successful.
0: Yeah, definitely. I thought it was a very very good episode as well. I mean, uh, you know, good start to the show with, uh, you know, Ray Wyatt coming out just to really see him carrying around that belt. Uh, John Cena comes out obviously this is a rematch because he is champion then AJ Styles of course is you know rematch but now it since he lost it. So uh you know if the threat does great. match straight. You know surprise seeing Bray win. Very surprising if we was gonna open John Cena again you not know, second straight time thing. Uh you know but very, very good to see as well. Uh, you know I like Oklahoma getting involved and like he said Battle Royals next week. Uh, you know, he's going to win that. Now, will they set up or will he just win that and will he have to put that shot, you know, that uh, number one championship spot up against Orton, who I would assume would get back into the picture and say, look, I'm a Royal Rumble winner. I still want my shot. I still want to get in here. Will they put Luke Harper versus Randy Orton as the ultimate number one contenders match, and have Randy Orton win, and then set up Orton and Wyatt. But then again, you know what? If they if they're incorporating Luke Harper into this, you gotta think that they have plans to put him in the match. I mean, you just gotta. It. it makes sense at this point. You can't just say screw you after having him win the Battle Royal, have him get involved like like he is and then just not go through with it. So I think that's what's going to happen. And if it does, I think that's very, very intriguing stuff. I definitely, uh you know, definitely down for a triple throw as opposed to a regular one-on-one match. So I thought that stuff was good. Uh, the Alexa plus naomi stuff was good. Of course, Alexa doing what she does best on the microphone. Hopefully, like we mentioned before, Naomi's not seriously injured, uh, and she can compete next week. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. Like you said, the takes match is very, very good, too. I thought... Uh, No, it's interesting to see the way the Ascension has been booked, but again, I think it's a little tease, you know, it's such a a dumb tease because we know they're not going to get anything, and at this point, the Ascension is just dead in the water, I mean, there's nothing they could possibly do to get these guys back up to being a relevant, you know, tag team again, unless they completely do a character change and repackage themselves, I just can't see them being a serious tag team contenders anymore in WWE, that shit has really sunk. Uh, you know, well, well, year, years ago, it's gone uh, since they came up for the main roster. So, looks like we're finally getting Usos and Alpo, like I mentioned before. See what that program does, see if that goes into mania. See what happens with that. I think we've all been wanting that for a while now. So, we'll get that, and we'll see where that goes. Vicky James finally getting a win over Becky Lynch, too, in typical heel fashion, taking an injury, and then, out of nowhere, just kicking Becky. I thought that was pretty good, too. Uh, you know, it's overall, so it's not going to look pretty good again. You know, no surprise. It feels good every single week. But uh, continues to grow, continues to make, you know, good storyline progression week after week. And this week was
1: no different. Yeah, absolutely. And we've heard some rumors now that about Baron Corbin possibly having him win the Intercontinental Championship. I think that would be awesome to happen at WrestleMania Because look, you know, Baron Corbin has been tremendous for SmackDown ever since the brand split. He has benefited from him greatly like other superstars have on SmackDown, whether it was Alexa Bliss or Naomi or some other talents. Baron Corbin has blossomed in a very big way on SmackDown. He's being booked the right way. His his in-ring performances are getting a lot better because he's working with some of the best. He's been working with John Cena. He's been working with AJ Styles. He's been working with Dean Ambrose, Miz. He has learned a lot from these guys and when you continue to learn, the better you get. And every single week this guy does something that says, wow, you know, he's just getting better and better and better. And that's what you want to see, because look, it's not an easy transition from going to football to wrestling. It's a tough transition to make if you're into sports entertainment. You know, some guys that are football players are not. They're just there to make money. I think Baron Corbin had a had a desire to do this. He looked at himself thinking that he could do this and it wasn't the best of starts. I was hard on this guy back in NXT. And, you know. I ridiculed him a little bit in his matches with Samoa Joe at TakeOver Brooklyn and then Apollo Crews at TakeOver London. I said he just wasn't good enough. He needs to deliver a lot more. And he just got better and better as time moved on. And ever since he jumped to the main roster, every single week he's gotten better and better. Uh, early on in, uh, on the main roster, it wasn't that great. But again, ever since the brand split and he went to SmackDown, The guy has benefited from it greatly. And now look at this guy. He was a part of the Elimination Chamber match. He dominated the match before he got eliminated. And now he's chasing the Intercontinental Championship. And if he does win this belt, which I believe he will, and he should, that would be awesome for Baron Corbin as he continues to ascent to the top of the mountain. And that is the main roster. That's the World Championship, excuse me. And that's great to see. You want to see this guy improve. You can tell that he has a great look. You can tell that Vince McMahon likes this guy. Triple H likes this guy. They had big plans for him, but it has to come. It has to come within him that he has to earn it. And again, you know the microphone skills, the in-ring ability. He has to be better at that, and he has gotten better at that. As a talker, he keeps his comments low. He doesn't speak that long. He makes it clear and simple that you know I'm you know I'm a badass. I'm gonna take you out. You know, he doesn't have these long speeches and gets annoying. No, he keeps it clear and simple. And in the ring, he wrestles like a badass. And he should because he's a big guy and he looks like a badass. And the way he wrestles, the guy's just getting better and better and better. And I also love the way he feeds off the crowd. You know, people boo him. He loves it. He said, yeah, boo me all you want. I'm still here. I love that from Baron Corbin. He embraces the hate. And that's why I want to see heels do this day. You know, embrace the hatred. You know, people boo you. Who cares if they boo you? Love it. You know, soak it all in. And that is something Baron Corbin has done very, very nicely. You know, ever since he jumped onto the main roster. And even back in NXT when people booed this guy. He said, okay, I don't care what you guys think of me. I'm I'm still here. I'm still going to be a badass. And he has done that the right way. So, in terms of Baron Corbin, man... He delivered another good segment this past SmackDown when him and Dean Ambrose got into another brawl, taking out Dean Ambrose, throwing him into the uh, technical area where we saw a freaking explosion, by the way. that was, uh, that was We haven't seen that in quite a while. And now we're hearing the rumor that this guy could possibly become the next IC champion by WrestleMania. That's great to see because this guy deserves it. He's earned it. He's worked hard to get to this point, And he has become one of the more interesting talents on SmackDown. So if that is the case, man, I hope that is, because Baron Corbin, I think, could make as a great Intercontinental Champion, and that would be another step forward in his quest of becoming maybe the top dog of a specific brand, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, because at the draft in the summer, who knows where Baron Corbin will be. It doesn't matter, though, if they continue to book this guy the way he's been booked. He is going to capitalize off it, and I think he's going to be making a great main superstar on any show.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know,
1: obviously coming out of the
0: Elimination Chamber, this is one of the stories to talk about, you know, with uh, Baron Corbin, of course, getting eliminated by Dean Ambrose, and then him beating down Dean Ambrose after that. And immediately I thought WrestleMania. I thought, Baron Corbin, IC champ. I was like, I that has that written all over it. And how could you be any more... How could you not be excited for that? I mean, you know, just the sound of that sounds awesome. And Baron Corbin, like he, he basically said it best, I mean, he really has become the top dog, one of the top dogs on SmackDown, uh, you know, which is funny to say, considering he got off to a very slow start in NXT. And, uh, you know, I was never really a fan of him in NXT. But ever since coming to the main roster, he's really, really improved and shown that he can really hang with with all the top stars on SmackDown. Uh, So I think, you know, winning the Intercontinental Championship is a great first step. It is an awesome stepping stone to eventually hopefully, him becoming world champion one day, but I think, you know, obviously, win a mid-card belt first, let him carry that, let him defend that, see he how, you know, that plays out, and then, you know, uh, as, you know, the year goes on, I mean, he's he's my pick right now for a Money in the Bank win, I mean, this guy has championship material written all over him, so, right now, I feel like the Intercontinental Championship could be a stepping stone to winning the big WWE Championships. The only uh, you know, negative out of this is if we do get Baron Corbin versus Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania, that obviously means no Intercontinental Championship ladder match like we've been seeing the past couple of years, which is kind of a disappointment in a way, but, uh, you know, I like this feud so far. I think, you know, obviously in one week it sold me on it. I mean, just, you know, what happened at Elimination Chamber, and when, like you said, what happened at SmackDown where he throws Dean Ambrose into the pyro technical area, and we see a little uh, technical explosion when Ambrose goes flying into the thing. I thought that was very, very cool and very unique. So, uh, definitely, I'm all for Baron Corbin becoming the IC champ. I don't think Dean Ambrose was really interesting holding the belt at all. Uh, So, again, give the belt to Baron Corbin, let him run with it for a little bit. Let that be a stepping stone and let him win money in the bank. And, you know, the sky's the limit for this guy. So, I'm definitely all in on this feud, though, if that is indeed the direction they're going, which looks like they are, for WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of Dean Ambrose, the time is right right now to take the belt off of him. I mean, I'm a fan of Dean Ambrose, but it's just not going well right now with the Intercontinental title run because he's not being himself, I don't think. They're continuing to try to make Dean Ambrose into this goofy character where he's more funny and hilarious than being serious, and I get it. you know, They want to have kids like Dean Ambrose, and I think being funny, hysterical, goofy will – win kids over but still you gotta think about your adult audience you gotta think about the young audience that wants to see Dean Ambrose be more than just a funny guy they want to see this guy be a lunatic fringe just go crazy be a sadistic animal a freak of nature that you know is just sick in the head and I'm not saying go as far to to make him John Moxley back in C C W, but you know make him like Let's go back to the to the promo they cut with AJ Styles and John Cena. You know, when you know AJ became the champion, John Cena came back once his match with AJ Styles, and here comes Dean Ambrose and the little back-and-forth segment that Dean and Cena had and it looked like we are seeing a heel turn from Dean Ambrose. That's what we got to see from this guy from now on. I mean, I get it. You know, it's a kid's show. You want to make it entertaining. It's sports entertainment. But, again, you know, I just don't think Dean Ambrose is the right guy. You know, for us adult fans... We want to see Dean Ambrose do a lot more than just be goofy. And that's why I think him being so goofy now, being more of an entertainer than being a serious hombre, he's not doing a good job with the IC title. And I definitely think a change is necessary. And I would be damn curious to see what a Baron Corbin title run could be. I think the guy could be a great champion. I think he could be a long-reigning champion, even though WWE these days don't believe in long title runs, which is absurd. But again, I just think that You know, right now, going to WrestleMania, with the momentum that Baron Corbin's on right now, I think it's better served that he becomes champion and takes the belt away from Dean Ambrose. But we'll see what happens. We still have weeks away until that happens. Who knows if the match is even going to happen. You just never know what WWE changes do happen. But from the way it looks like like right now, we're going to see a Dean Ambrose-Baron Corbin match at WrestleMania for the IC title, which I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be okay with. That should be a good match, and I hopefully... And hopefully we see a Baron Corbin title win. Let's now move ahead now to NXT talk. Um, Again, I I thought two weeks in a row NXT delivered another solid good show um, as they continue to look ahead to take over Orlando. Uh, We'll start off with the main event. Tyler Bate versus Trent Seven for the um, United Kingdom Championship. First time the bell has been defended. Really, really good match. I thought those two guys delivered. It really did. Uh, Bate and Seven are two great talents, especially Tyler Bate. I mean the more you watch this guy perform, the more you gotta like this guy. I mean again going to the UK title tournament I didn't know what to expect from, I didn't know what to expect from Tyler Bate. I never watched his work. I've heard about this guy. But I was like, I have never seen him perform before. I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy does and he won me over right away. That first round match he had with Tucker won me over and then as the tournament went on whether he faced Jordan Devlin and then he faced Wolfgang and then the main event with Pete Dunn man this guy just got better and better by each match and he just won me over instantly and I I think this guy deserved to be the first champion others disagree but hell why not 19 years old the kids got a good connection with the fans why not give him the championship and so far he's looked really really good so far through two appearances on NXT, Trent Seven, of course, this guy's a seasoned veteran, man. Well-respected by his peers. The fans like this guy. Good, solid in-ring performer. He delivered a good match as well. My question, though, is are we going to see more from these UK UK talents from now on in NXT? We are getting Pete versus Mark Andrews next week. I'm looking forward to that match. But are we going to see a lot from these guys in NXT? Or are they going to get their own show? Because we've heard... That is supposed to be their own show. You know, They're, they're going to have their own show like 205 Live has it. They're going to have one for the United Kingdom, uh, the, the UK wrestlers. But right now, we've heard nothing about it being official. These guys are just making some appearances. They're in NXT right now. And they're also doing, of course, some stuff in the independents, whether it's Progress Wrestling, whether it's uh, Rep Pro. They're still doing shows there. But uh, I am curious to see with right now... What is the future with these UK talents? Are, are, are they going to be in NXT full-time? Is the UK championship going to be defended on NXT from now on? Or are we going to get a UK show? Are we going to get a show for these UK talents? I still think that's going to happen. They're still in talks of putting progress and ICW on the network. Not official yet, but they're in talks. And it could happen because WWE is working strongly with progress in ICW. But you never know, but overall, man, that main event was awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews next week. That should be another great match, but it's still a big question. What is the future for these UK talents, especially Tyler Bate, the UK champion? Are they going to get their own show, or are they going to be full-time performers on NXT? That is a question that does need to be answered. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, As
0: far as the match goes, I loved it, obviously. You You saw a lot of Tyler Bates and Trent Seven if you watch the U.K. tournament. So, you know, you know what to expect from both of these guys, but they put on a very, very solid main event of NXT, and I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, I mean, like you said, that's a big question. Now, what is going to happen with these U.K. guys? To be honest, I would avoid their own show at all costs. I mean, we're seeing what's going on right now with the Cruiserweights and 205 Live. It's not working out, in my opinion. Some, Some might say it is working out. To me it's a complete waste of time. I barely even watch the show. And it's a shame because I do enjoy all the cruiserweights. I enjoy all the talent that, that's there. I think Grand Mathalie just debuted uh, you know, a couple of nights ago for the first time since we saw him debut on Raw. But you know what, it's it just it's not working out long term. It's not working out. There's one championship and it would be the same thing for the UK championship thing, it would be one title. The show would revolve around one title, and it would have random matches between random guys. And to me, it, it's, it's just setting it up to fail. So I would just keep doing what they're doing on NXT right now. Every now and then, just feature them. It'll feel special. It'll add some intrigue. Uh, people will get excited to see these guys. Throwing them out there in front of the Full sale crowd is what you know will only help them improve as well, because we know how the Full sale crowd you know reacts to certain people. Uh, just keep doing what they're doing right now. Like you said, next week we're getting Pete Dunn versus Mark Andrews. I think that's going to be good, too, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, you know, William Regal's already eyeing down Pete Dunn uh, to make sure that the similar thing that he did at the U.K. tournament does not happen on NXT. So I would just keep doing that. I mean, again, have these guys make appearances every now and then. Um, you know, at TakeOver Orlando, I would have, you know, a special match for the U.K. championship. I would. I would have Tyler defend defended against somebody. If not, maybe having defended against Trent Seven, Pete Dunne, and Mark Andrews in a fatal four-way. I think that would be tremendous. So I think you know you just keep doing what they're doing right now on NXT. Uh, you know we have been talking about how NXT does need another championship belt, but, you know a mid-card belt. I think it would add a lot more to the NXT brand and and some of the talents over there who might not be world championship material, such as uh, you know Ty Dillinger. So for right now, I would just keep doing what they're doing. I think it's a nice special attraction to as to NXT each week and and the takeover special. So uh, to me, that's what I would keep doing. I would avoid their own show, like I said, at all costs, because to me, that's just setting it up for an epic disaster. Yeah,
1: you know, we'll see what happens. I I do think they're gonna get their own show, but I do have the same fears as you do, Ryan, with similarities to the cruiserweight show. I mean, one title you know, to do their own show with one title around it, I don't think that's the best of moves. But, again, we'll see what happens with them. But I do agree with you. I think having Tyler Bate defend the belt at TakeOver Orlando would be awesome to see. I think fans would like to see that happen to who he defends the belt to. Who the hell knows? It could be Mark Andrews. It could be Pete Dunne. It, it could be a fiddle forward between Dunne, Andrews, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate. Who the hell knows? But, uh... That would be something to watch right there. That would be something cool to see. So, hopefully, that does happen. For the rest of the show, uh, of course, we saw the first vignette of the return of Chris Hero, aka Cassius Ono. Um, really looking forward to that. I think next week from the spoilers that I read that next week he's going to make his return. Uh, Bobby Roode's in a match next week. He wrestles No Way Jose. He beats No Way Jose, attacks him after the match, and then that's when we see Chris Hero come back and basically provoke Bobby Roode wanting a championship match. And if you guys read the news that Triple H posted on his Twitter page, February 22nd is the next TV tapings for... NXT the final ones before TakeOver Orlando happens and uh, and during those tapings we're getting Not just the return of Shinsuke Nakamura, but we're also getting a Bobby Roode Cassius Ono title match now. What does that mean for TakeOver Orlando? I'm not sure it could be Bobby Rivers Nakamura for the second time with no Cassius Ono. Personally, I'd rather see Ono involved if you have nothing for Because that right now, I'm not sure what else is there for Ono to work with. If he doesn't win the NXT Championship against Bobby Roode on the TakeOver taping, what's he going to do next? Is he going to feud with somebody else for no reason? I'm not sure. So, personally, I think it would be smart to add Chris Hero into the mix, along with Nakamura and Bobby Roode, for NXT TakeOver. But we are getting the return of Cassius Ono pretty soon. In terms of the tag team stuff, um, it looks like we're gearing up for... A triple threat tag team title match to take over Orlando. DIY, The Revival, and The Authors of Pain. Of course, this past, uh, last night we saw, you know, of course, uh, Authors of Pain, DIY, and The Revival have some little segment where DIY called out The Authors of Pain. They want their rematch. Paul Ellering gave it to them, but during the segment, The Revival came out of nowhere, attacked DIY a week after they attacked The Authors of Pain. So. We're gonna get that match between AOP and DIY, I believe, in two weeks. I think Paul Elmering said that. And what I see happening is that we're gonna have that match. I think that the the revival are going to get involved setting up a triple threat match at Takeover Orlando, which I'm perfectly fine with. All right? If they do a take if they do a triple threat match with the tag team belts with those three tag teams involved, I am perfectly fine with that. Personally, Ryan, I wanna see them up the stakes with this match. Not don't make it an ordinary triple threat tag team match. Up the stakes. Why don't we see a ladder match? Why don't we see a TLC match? Why don't we see a no holds bar match? Add a stipulation, make it interesting. Hell, it, it is WrestleMania weekend. If you're Triple H, you want your show to outbeat WrestleMania. It's probably going to happen no matter what cuz in terms of the WrestleMania card, not the greatest and I think Takeover is going to beat them by a landslide, but still, you never know. If you're Triple H, your goal should be to have NXT once again outbeat WrestleMania that weekend, be the talk of the town, not WrestleMania. And I definitely think with the match card that they could have going right now, whether it with Ember Moon versus Asuka gonna happen, that is a lock in my opinion. Nakamura versus Bobby Roode, maybe Chris Here was involved as well. That's a great match. But the tag team match, Revival, DIY, and Authors of Pain is a definite sleeper for match of the year. If it does happen, why not up the ante? Make it a ladder match. Just imagine, WrestleMania weekend at the biggest takeover event of the year. The three best tag teams right now on your roster fighting for the tag team belts in a ladder match? In a no-holes bar match? Why not? You want, to, you, you want to get people excited. You throw that stipulation in, man. If they throw some sort of stipulation like that in that match, I'll be pumped up. Even though I'm going to be pumped up no matter what with DIY, the Revival, and the office of Pain. But still, though, just imagine those three teams in the same match, but a ladder match. A no disqualification match, no holds barred, whatever the stipulation is, make it a stipulation. That would be so much more interesting. But who knows if they're gonna do it? I'm not sure if they're gonna do it. Hopefully they do. It's just a creative thought, in my opinion. You know, make it interesting. You know, yeah, it is. It is interesting already, but make it more interesting. Make it more awesome. And I definitely think adding a ladder involved would be an awesome thing to do, but who knows if it's gonna happen. We don't know we don't know if it's gonna be a triple threat match. We still are a long ways away for that happening, but from the way I look at it right now, it looks like that's gonna be the case. The revival are not gonna be on the main roster by WrestleMania. They're gonna come up after WrestleMania. I think that's gonna happen. DIY, same case, I think they're going to come up at the WrestleMania, maybe stay down in NXT a little bit longer. AOP is going nowhere, that's a that's a given, they're the tag team champions, and they still have lots of work to do in terms of development, but still though, make the card interesting. In terms of the women, again, I had no problem with Billy Kane, Payne Royce going over Liv Morgan and Ember Moon, some people did, because Ember Moon lost the match, no she didn't, she didn't lose the match. She wasn't the one getting covered. It was Liv Morgan. She got pinned. It doesn't make it doesn't make Ember Moon look weak. Some people thought it did. It didn't. She didn't get pinned. It was Liv Morgan. How does it make Ember Moon look weak? It doesn't. And I don't think they're gonna. They're not gonna bury Ember Moon. They know she's going to be the next challenger for Asuka's championship. So why does it? It doesn't make sense for them to have her lose to Peyton Royce or Billy Kay. It doesn't make sense for her to get pinned by one of those two when we all know she's going to be the next one in line for that championship. So people need to calm down a little bit in terms of them thinking that Ember Moon's looking weak. She lost the match. No, she didn't. Liv Morgan lost the match. It wasn't Ember Moon's fault. It was Liv Morgan's fault. She got pinned, not Ember Moon. It doesn't make Ember Moon look weak. So I had no problem with that. And again, overall, the the entire show for NXT was very solid. And I'm looking forward to next week. If this whole Chris Hero thing does happen next week, it should have the makers have another solid show for the brand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: from here on out, you know, we were over at the
0: spoilers. And, you know, just you know, judging by way, the way that episode went, you know, last night, you could tell that we're gearing up for some pretty good episodes of NXT coming up in the next couple of weeks leading up to that TakeOver special. I mean, so many different scenarios. I mean, the card, as of right now, you know, we give our predictions about it. Uh, you know, to what we think the potential cards possibly look like. I mean, it's going to be good, all right? That's, that's a giving. I don't think, you know, any TakeOver special has ever been bad. And, of course, this one's WrestleMania weekend. So it's going to be a big show. And uh, like you said, you know, the tag team stuff was pretty good this week. I mean, it's got Triple threat written all over it. I mean, come on now. It's so obvious. If every team is involved right now, they're not just going to say, you know, oh, screw you, Revival. You know, you're going to be off the card or what's who are you DIY, you got your chance, you're not fighting uh, on that card. I mean, every all those three tag teams are gonna be on the card, it's a given. And uh, like you said, AOP and DIY are gonna have that match. And you know, Revival will probably get involved because obviously they want a shot of the belt. So well, there you go, This is your triple threat match, which is gonna be awesome. That could definitely be a show-stealing match. Uh, as far as the stipulation goes, like you said, I mean, that would definitely up the annual a lot and you get a lot more people invested and interested. I don't see it happening. If anything, they'll put a stipulation on the main event, the Bobby Roode, Chris Hero, or Nakamura, whatever main event it's going to be for the NXT title. I could see that being some sort of stipulation, such as a ladder match or something, Uh, but I can't see them putting a stipulation on the tag match uh, out of every single match like that. I think ultimately it would be the main event, even though, hey, I'd feel for it. I think it would make it even bigger than it already is, but like you said, I'll be pumped for it either way. I think that... Triple Threat could definitely be a show-stealer with all three of those tag teams and how tremendous they are. Um Ono returns next week, hopefully, uh, you know, or if not next week, definitely soon. Of course, the saw Vignettes. I'm pump, pumped for it. Again, we going after Bobby Roode. We're going after the NXT title. Uh, I mean, he's going to be involved WrestleMania weekend in, in that title match. I mean, there's no doubt about it at this point. If, if he's going to go run into Bobby Roode, there's no way he's not in that match. I mean, come on, who is he going to verse on WrestleMania weekend? And if they're having him involved they're making a big deal about his return, he's not going to be off the card. So again, he'll be involved in one way or another. I'm definitely pumped up for that. Uh, it looks like they'll be utilizing him the right way around this time as opposed to the first time he was in NXT, which is very, very good to see. Uh, the women's stuff was stupid, but again, anybody who thinks that he, you know Ember Moon you know, took a loss or whatever, made her you know, look look un, like, not strong, look weak or whatever. It's ridiculous. Like you said, Liv Morgan was the one that got in, not Ember Moon. So how does that make Ember Moon look weak? Uh, they're going to have that number one contenders match or whatever in a couple of weeks. Uh, but ultimately, we know what the ultimate goal is here. It's Ember Moon Oscar. I think that's set in stone. Like you said last week, if there's any match that I think is set in stone, it's that match. I mean, it's pretty obvious that that's going to be it. Uh, so again, whatever happens with the ladies, you know, in the next coming weeks, again, to me, I read the spoilers, I already know, I don't really care, uh, you know, Peyton Royce really cares, don't know where they're going to go from here, it's, I guess, cool to see them pick up a win like they did last night, but again, it doesn't mean anything because they'll never become women's champs, and God, I don't even know what their future is going to be like, so, I mean, yeah, as far as NXT goes, very, very solid show, and like I get from here on out, the next coming week, leading up in the takeover special, very, very interesting
1: all right so that's your wrestling talk let's now move ahead to uh the ufc and mixed martial arts in general uh this past saturday we had ufc 208 take place at the barclays center where for the first time ever we crowned the new ufc women's featherweight champion of course a new division now in the ufc women's featherweight uh, division 145 and we had our first title match as Holly Holm, the former bantamweight champion, took on Jermaine Durandamy. And it was Jermaine Durandamy that prevailed over Holly Holm by unanimous decision to pick up the win in the championship. But they did cause some controversy as Holly Holm has filed an appeal of the result with the New York State Athletic Commission due to punches Durandamy threw after the end of the two rounds. This was per Ariel Hawani of MMA Fighter. You want to look, you want, uh, know everything about the UFC and mixed martial arts in general, follow Ariel Hawani, He's very good at his job. Her attorneys, and I'm speaking about Holly Holm, filed the appeal asking the commission to review referee Todd Anderson for not deducting one or more points from Jermaine Durandamy following her repeated strikes thrown after the horn sounded to end rounds 2 and 3 because when she did deliver those strikes... It greatly affected Holly Holm, and Holly Holm believes that because of that, she was weakened, that she couldn't win the fight. And, you know, and now they want a, a, a decision change, they want the, the the change to reverse, they want the, the, the decision to reverse for Holly Holm to win it, but it's not going to happen, people. There's no way that they're going to take this belt away from Jermaine Durand Because of that. Alright. Yeah. Did did she go a little bit too far? Maybe. I guess. But that's on the referee. That's not Jermaine Durandamy. She kept on attacking. And the ref did nothing about it. That is on Todd Anderson. So if you want to punish Todd Anderson. Do it. By all means. But it makes no sense for any tile change to happen. Durandamy earned it. She was the better fighter. And she won the fight fair and square. Now should Holly Holm get a rematch because of this? I would agree. Yes. She should get a rematch. If this is the case, then yes, give her a second shot at redemption. But let's be honest, people. With Holly Holm, I mean, what else is there to say with her? She's on a three-fight losing streak. She went from being on top of the world after defeating Ronda Rousey, knocking her off to become new Women's Bantamweight Champion, to now basically being nothing, really. I mean, she's on a three-fight losing streak. She lost to Misha Tate, losing the belt in the process. She lost to Valentina Shevchenko. And now she's lost this fight to Jermaine me. How can I sit here and believe that she can beat Jermaine Durandamy on a second time? I don't believe it. So with Holly Holm, I'm not sure what her future holds, to be honest. I really don't know. It's a shame because she was once the talk of the UFC. Because she did something that not a lot of women can do. And that was beat Ronda Rousey. And not only did she beat Ronda Rousey, she beat her up badly. She kicked her ass. If you watch that fight, Two rounds. It took Holly Holm to beat Ronda Rousey. She beat her up badly. And she made a name for herself that night. But I'm not sure what has happened since. I'm not sure if the pressure was too much for her. I'm not sure if she could handle the spotlight where she wasn't herself. I'm not sure what the case is. But this is not the same Holly Holm. She's not the same fighter she used to be when she did beat Ronda Rousey. And it's a shame because she's very talented. You can see in her skills in the octagon that she's a very good fighter. And to see her on this current three-fight losing streak, it's a shame. It really is. But for Jermaine Durand to me, congratulations. Well-deserved. I haven't heard a lot about this girl. But from from what I've seen, she's a pretty damn good fighter. And she earned this championship. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she has next in store for her. Who's going to be in this division. Because I'm not sure who's jumping up to 145 to fight for the featherweight championship. But overall, though, it's a new division. Good for the UFC to continue their expand. Um, their fighter roster to continue to expand, uh, the championships and, and the, and the divisions. That's good to see. And great to see Jermaine Durand I mean, make history as she is the first ever UFC women's featherweight champion.
0: Yeah. You know, I kind of feel for Holly Holman in this situation. Uh, you know, I'm not really a huge fan of Holly. I actually predicted, um, when we have predictions, You know, um, on last week's show, I predicted that Jermaine durand would win this belt, uh, beating Holly Holm. I just don't like the way she did it. Uh, You know, again, it's not ultimately on her, I guess. Like you could say, the shot after the bell, it's on the ref. But still, I mean, you know, how come every single fighter knows when the round is over and knows when to stop, and she just kept going? I I I don't really understand why or how that happened. Uh, And it happened more than once, too. I think it happened twice. So, to me, it should have been some point deduction. It should have been something. I don't know. They should have fixed that. I mean, you know, it could have affected Holly in a big way. And not even put that aside, too. That, that was my first problem with that, that I had with that. The second problem is what I have in UFC in general, is that when these fights go to there is there always got to be some controversy. And to me, there was controversy here, because I feel like Holly Holm won this fight. I really did. And, uh, you know, she said numerous times after the fight and post-fight interviews, she thought she won. A bunch of people said the same thing. I mean, they think Holly won rounds three, four, and five. And you know what? I tend to agree with that. I think Holly Holm should have won this belt. Uh, you know, again, it could, it's up for debate. Of course, everybody has different opinions, different views. The judges don't see eye to eye. They see different things, so they judge it differently. For me, Holly Holm won this fight. She should be the champion right now. But, again, at the USC, there's always controversy. Surrounding some of these fights is really different than professional wrestling. Obviously, we know this is real sports, and uh, you know WWE is scripted. But I think the scripted sport any day over the real one. It, it, it avoids controversy like this. But as far as the fight went, I thought it was a pretty solid fight, all five rounds. Uh, you know, I didn't think this was the best UFC pay-per-view, the best UFC main event. I've definitely seen a lot better. Um, but again, you know, a new champion, a new you know uh, division here. I think, you know, Chris Cyborg can get her crap together. Mm. And, uh, you know, whatever happened with the USABA thing that, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar got popped with, she got top with that as well. If she can get past that and come back and be in this division, <laughs> this division is going to be put on some serious notice because I don't see anybody who can beat Chris uh If that's the case, so again, this is about to get really interesting. But to me, I feel bad for Holly Holm because she should
1: have definitely won this fight. Yeah, in terms of the rest of the card, Anderson Silva finally won a fight for the first time, I believe, in four years. From what I've heard, beating Derek Brunson, good for Silva. I mean, look, the guy once was the face of the UFC. He was the top dog in the in the company. But now age 41, this guy is declining as a performer, as a talent in the UFC, as a fighter in general. But still, to see this guy pick up a win was good to see. Uh, We also saw Jacare Souza, another middleweight contender, beat Tim Bosch by submission. Souza is really one of the best in the world. So I definitely think he's inching closer to a title shot. Glover to Teixeira knocking off Jared Cannonier. Uh, another solid win for the veteran Teixeira. I picked Cannoneer for the upset. Wasn't the case. And Dustin Poirier defeating Jim Miller. What was a very good fight, man. If you watch this fight, hard hitting, physical. Both these guys got a lot of shots at each other. But that's what makes UFC fights so great. When you see these types of fights just be stand-up. Not a lot of ground game. These guys just throwing punches and knees and kicks at each other. I mean, man, you see Jim Miller's knee... In this fight, man, to see how red it was, how bruised up it was, that just shows you, man. The UFC is a dangerous sport, man. But that was an awesome fight and a good card overall. And like I said, big congratulations to Jermaine and me. Uh Let's talk about though some other MMA news. We'll start off, of course, with Brock Lesnar, who of course related to WWE. No longer fighting anymore in the UFC. I, I think MMA in general, age 39, Brock Lesnar has announced his retirement from the sport. Um, of course, coming off the controversy, that was UFC 200 where he did beat Mark Hunt. But he did get caught for cheating. He caught taking drugs. And that has led to a lot of speculation of Mark Hunt wanting to get uh, Brock Lesnar's paycheck. He wants to sue UFC for being robbed of this fight. And uh, yeah, very controversial. But Brock Lesnar did go out winning the fight. Uh, when you look back at Brock's career in the UFC, what else is there to say? I mean, this guy had great potential to go down as the greatest heavyweight fighter in the history of the sport, but we all know because of diverticulitis that it prevented that from happening. He did become UFC champion in his second fight beating Randy Couture. That was awesome to see because Couture is a legend, but it just wasn't the same when he was suffering through the illness, you know? I mean, look, when you watch the fights he had with Cain Velasquez and, and, uh, Uh, Alistair Overeem, he just wasn't the same, and we found out later that he was ailing, he was sick, and he left the UFC for such a long time, he made the comeback this past summer, he won over Mark Hunt, but then the news about him taking the drugs came out, and now it's just not a good look for Brock Lesnar, so he decided to hang him up and say, that's it, I'm done with the UFC, and that's, you know, again, you know, to look back at Brock's career, it was good, could have been better, he did get robbed a little bit because of the sickness, but Still, man, Brock has some interesting wins on his resume, beating Randy Couture, beating uh, Frank Mir, beating Shane Carwin, beating uh, Heath Herring, and Mark Hunt. Man, those are some pretty impressive victories. But still, the career could have been better if it wasn't for diverticulitis. But overall, for Brock Lesnar, UFC career is done, and now he's officially focusing on just WWE. That's it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, I guess this is not too shocking or too surprising. I mean, ever since he got popped, the, uh, you know, you know, steroid drug thing, whatever it was. Uh, you know, I kind of figured this way was over. I mean, you should just stick to WWE, and that's it. I mean, really, I don't see why he would go back to the UFC. I mean, again, I know he went in there and basically dominated Mark Hunt uh, after years of, of an absence of UFC. Uh, so he could definitely do it. But, again, why would he even want to at this point? I mean, it's just uh, at his age, he's getting older now. Uh, this is a sale in my opinion. I, just, again... I don't know why he would go back to the USC after this. Uh, so, again, makes total sense to see him retire uh, again. He will show his last fight off to the UFC 200. That was their way to go out. Unfortunately, the win, I think, was taken away off the record books because of what happened. Uh, but, again, we all remember the fact that he returned after several years of an absence, went in there, dominated uh, Mark Hunt like he did, and... You know, it'll always be memorable, and again, Brock Lesnar in the UFC will be memorable forever because of what he accomplished there. Um, of course, like you said, the guy, Veticulitis, eventually took over, kind of cut his career short. But, you know, again, it makes sense for Brock Lesnar from his aspect. We'll see how long he ends up in WWE. I'm not sure when his contract you know, ends with, with WWE or if he's going to be signed. Who knows what he's going to eventually end up doing, but uh, now that he doesn't have MMA to go, you know, to uh, you know, fall back on. You gotta think, he thinks we got to think, he's in WWE now until he decides to call it quits forever.
1: Yeah, so one guy leaving the UFC, another man is coming back to the UFC, and that is George St. Pierre, the two-time, former two-time UFC welterweight champion, is in negotiations right now with the UFC. He's close to an agreement where he will come back to be a full-time fighter. Uh, this is great news. For those who love George St. Pierre, like myself, I am a big... Big fan of GSP. To see him come back one more time to get another run in the UFC will be awesome for the sport because when you look at GSP, he's one of the biggest box office names in the history of the sport. You know, he's one of the big reasons why the sport is where it is right now. He was one of those pioneers and When you watch this guy perform in the octagon, he is so damn good. And it doesn't matter where it's whether it's on the ground, whether it's stand-up, whether it's submission skills, striking. George St. Pierre is one of the more complete fighters to ever fight in the UFC. And to see this guy making a comeback, I mean it's gonna be interesting because this division is very, very deep right now. You know, when he left it opened the door for for fighters like Stephen Thompson, for Tyron Woodley, for Robbie Lawler, for Rory McDonald, for Johnny Big Rick Hendricks, Carlos Condit. So many fighters got the chance to, to get their opportunity because GSP was out of the division. But now he's coming back. It opens the door for some big time fights to happen like I mean, who doesn't want to see GSP versus Robbie Lawler? Who doesn't want to see GSP versus Tyron Woodley versus Stephen Thompson? Those are some dream fights for you hardcore UFC fans. You want to see that happen. So great news to hear in terms of when he's going to fight. Who the hell knows? It could be some point this year if they can get a fight down. But it is big news to hear and great to see that GSP is making a comeback to the UFC. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's great to see. But, again, I don't really know what else he has left to offer. I mean, we'll see what he's like if he does come back. Again, you know, this is just you know, an example of, you know, people that just don't know when to hang it up. And, you know, again, I, I get that it's hard to just give it up for good You get the itch to come back every now and then. I mean, this was his life, his career. Uh, but, again, you know, we saw what happened recently with DJ Penn. You know, again, I just I don't understand why some of these guys – just try and make comebacks like this and reinvent themselves. I just I, I don't know what to really expect. Obviously, he's one of the best ever stepped foot in the octagon, and I've always been a huge fan of him. So I mean, hey, if he comes back, it'd be great to see. But ultimately, I don't know what else he really has left to prove or why, if he's been necessary in this day and age. Um, but again, you know, I guess only time will tell if uh, DSP does eventually return to the UFC. I just don't think it's the right decision.
1: And then the big news that is going on for the past couple of days is the situation going on with the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor uh, possible fight that could happen some point soon. It's been talked about for a lot of months now, you know, back and forth exchanges between McGregor and Floyd Mayweather on Twitter. Has led many to speculate that this match is going to happen, that Conor McGregor has license for boxing, that he wants to get involved in boxing and go right after Floyd Mayweather. And now we're hearing rumors that the deal is likely going to be done pretty soon. Some others are you know, are not making that official. Some think it's it's not true. But it is causing a ton of speculation about McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather going to happen uh, very, very soon. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen if the fight does go down, which I believe it will. I mean, some people think it's not going to happen. I think it has a great shot of happening. In terms of money-wise, it should happen. It will make a lot of money for both for boxing period this could be the biggest draw in the history of the sport mayweather versus mcgregor ufc versus boxing that is something that doesn't happen these days and it will draw a ton of money from the fans you know who want to watch this fight how the fight's going to go down if it does happen i mean i don't i'm not i'm not sure what to expect i mean floyd mayweather is undefeated he's the he's the master of boxing conor mcgregor when you watch this guy perform in the UFC, this guy can knock your lights out, and we've seen this guy before take some punches. So, when a, if a fight between these two guys does happen, what's going to happen? How's it going to go down? I mean, I don't think it's a fight that Conor could win, you know, because Conor, you know, yes, boxing and UFC are a little bit similar, but there's also a difference. There's no such thing as submissions. There's no such things as ground and pound in boxing. It's straight up stand up. Can Conor McGregor go that long as a stand-up fighter versus one of the best, if not the best, in Floyd Mayweather, who is still undefeated? I just think that it will be tough for Conor to get some big-time shots on Floyd Mayweather. The way Mayweather plays defense, the way he just moves around, the ring never stops, and the, and the way he just—you know—notice the way he's just notices when that punch is coming. That's why Floyd Mayweather is a master because this guy just gets it. He knows when to hit you. And he knows when to play defense. And I just think it's going to be tough for Conor to land any significant strikes on Floyd Mayweather. Now I'm just saying this because the fight could happen. And again, who knows if it's going to happen. But if it does happen, we have to talk about what could happen in this fight if it realistically happens. And I just don't think it's a fight winnable for Conor McGregor. But you never know with Conor McGregor. The guy's unpredictable. this If he lands one significant strike to Floyd, he could take Floyd off his game. But we've seen it before with Floyd. The guy can take punches. He's no slouch. He can take hits. He's taken hits before. And he's lasted some of the best fighters in the history of boxing. Whether it's, you know, Canelo Alvarez. Whether it's, you know, Manny Pacquiao. It doesn't matter. Floyd has gone through every single one of them. And now he's facing a UFC fighter who has never had any experience in the boxing world. It's going to be a very tough transition for Connor to make. But if there's a guy that can make the transition, it could be Connor, Because you just don't know what this guy. But it is a very... Very tough fight for him to win. But again, we don't know if it's going to happen. You know, during negotiations right now, we've heard that it is done. We've heard it's not done in terms of the deal being uh, finalized. Who knows? But it does cause a lot of speculation about Connor versus Floyd going to happen. When it's going to happen, if it does, I'm not so sure when it's going to happen. But there is a good chance, some point very, very soon, that Connor versus Floyd is going to happen in Las Vegas. And without a doubt, in terms of box office in terms of money this will be the biggest fight ever produced I believe in the history of boxing yeah
0: I mean for sure everybody thought Pacquiao yeah, Mayweather fight was the biggest this will way overdo that I mean this would be huge I mean this is going to be one of the biggest sporting events if it does happen I mean ever I mean this is going to be so big I, I can't even believe it's happening uh, you know of course we heard the rumblings for so long but I never really thought that you know, I just thought it was just rumors, that's it. I thought it was just a fantasy booking situation. So it looks like it's actually going down, which is very, very shocking, very, very surprising. Uh, you know, I can't wait for it if that's the case, and I am all team McGregor uh, if mm-hmm. this does go down. I would love to see Conor McGregor give Floyd Mayweather his first ever loss. Uh, it seems very unlikely, but you know what? Don't underestimate Conor McGregor. Don't. I mean, he is a one-of-a-kind athlete. He's a special athlete. He is very, very rare at today's day and age. He, he can surprise everybody. I mean, really, he is so confident. He goes in there. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He's not too overconfident. He doesn't get too cocky before it. Uh, he goes in there and he backs up his talk. So I would not be shocked to see him go in there and give Lloyd a run for his money. I mean, it's going to be a boxing match, so who knows how good of a boxer McGregor is. But of course, you know, I'm... I, like I said, if there's anybody that can go in there and really give Mayweather a tough time, I think it's Conor McGregor. So, uh, you know, again, this would be very, very interesting to see. And you know what? Like you said, this would be one of the biggest sporting events ever. Uh, I mean, God, this would generate so much money, so much fun. You know, Only imagine a press conference if they have a press conference together. Hmm. how much joy it would be and how much fun that would be to watch I mean we all know how Conor McGregor is with his UFC press conferences how much fun that would watch to see him and Floyd join at each other I mean that would just be a sight to see right there uh, never mind the fight just, just to see the lead up to this fight would just be absolutely incredible so it looks like we're going to see it actually it looks like it's going to be official uh, sometime next week or within the week but wow I mean it just does go down like I said one of the biggest sporting events probably ever in
1: history Absolutely. And I agree with you. If this does happen, I am Team McGregor. I've been a Conor McGregor supporter for a couple of years. I think this guy is the best freaking fighter in the world. I mean, this guy, you know, what I like about Conor so much is that he does do a lot of trash talking. He really does. He may be the best trash talker in the history of the UFC, but what makes him so great, what makes him so special is that He trash talks, but he backs it up, all right? When he says, I'm going to knock you out, he's going to knock you out. And that's what I like about Conor. Because there's a lot of guys there in in fighting, UFC, whatever, that they talk a good game, but they don't back it up. You know, we see fighters go, I'm going to knock you out, but they're the ones getting knocked out. Conor's different. He says, I'm going to knock you out. He's going to knock you out. And that's what makes Conor McGregor so special. That's all the time we got, people. Thank you for tuning in. Again, if you missed us live, you can... Um, subscribe to us on both Stitcher and on iTunes. Uh, we did a lot today, of course, Recap the whole lot of events that took place over the past couple of days in wrestling and UFC. We'll be back same time, same day, next Thursday. Here on it's Your radio.com. we are going to, of course, continue our look to WrestleMania season. Uh, more look at Fastlane, more recapping of Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Maybe some more news in the UFC. Some big fights taking place this weekend, UFC Fight Night. Um, so we're gonna recap it all next week, same day, Thursday. It's Your radio.com, same time. So that's all the time we got, people. I'm Brian Sendak. He's Ryan Monterano. This has been the Royal Rainbow Podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next Thursday.